0: And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
1: An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we'll be speaking with guest expert Lauren Bravo, journalist and author of What Would the Spice Girls Do? How the Girl Power Generation Grew Up. Let's hear what she has to say about the breakup of the Spice Girls. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. So can you give our listeners uh, a brief overview of your book? Sure. Um, So it's called What Would the Spice Girls Do? Uh, The question that's been on everybody's lips for decades. And the, the subtitle is How the Girl Power Generation Grew Up, which I think sums it up. So it's partly a nostalgia trip. There's a load of stuff in there about, you know, being a kid in the 90s and, what that was like, all the sort of paraphernalia that went with it. Um, But it is also, I suppose, an examination of the impact that the Spice Girls had on a generation of young girls, and um, the sort of line, I guess, that we can draw from that to the women that we have grown up to be in the modern world. So a a
1: major part of the Spice Girls' appeal was the girl power mantra. Did they help or hurt in spreading this feminist message of the time?
2: (laughs) Well, it depends who you asked. I mean, there was definitely quite a strong backlash, I think, from um, older people. I think particularly second wave feminists found the idea of girl power to be a bit reductionist. I think the, um, uh, you know, they thought it was quite capitalist. It was a bit of an appropriation or a watered down version of women's lib, maybe. Um, and I would imagine for a certain old guard of feminist who had marched for a lot of very basic rights in maybe the 70s and 80s, it felt like a bit of a cop-out, potentially. Um, But the crucial thing is that the Spice Girls' main audience were young girls. So, you know, I was eight years old when Wannabe came out, and I think that was the perfect age for the Spice Girls. Because what they did was sell us a kind of feminist starter kit. You know, I always say that it was more like a set of training wheels. And for a lot of their young fans, it was perhaps the first time that they had been exposed to those kind of ideas. It was the first time for a lot of us that we looked around and went oh, maybe we are actually treated differently because we're girls, and maybe that's not okay. And they really gave us that confidence to speak up and, and, and shout back. And, you know, I think that was a great, a great start for a lot of us on a sort of journey towards a feminist future.
1: So, but <laughs> what was it about the Spice Girls that set them apart from other girl and boy bands of the time?
2: Well, I mean, there weren't a lot of other girl bands in that kind of arena. You know, we'd seen some amazing girl groups in the worlds of hip hop and soul. There were some brilliant American girl groups, particularly. But in the UK, it was a boy bands as far as the eye could see, you know, and there was this kind of um, belief, I guess, in the music industry that only boys could sell records because girls bought pop records and girls, they thought, only wanted to buy pop records by boys. And the Spice Girls were really one of the first groups at that time that came along and challenged that. Um, And particularly what was very different about them was the fact that they actually had a lot of control over their own image, which is a little bit contradictory to the, the idea some people have of them. We have this conception of them as this manufactured band That's often the word that was used to sort of knock them down in the day. Oh, they're just manufactured. But when you you do your research and you look into it and you read the stories, you find that actually they had a lot of autonomy. You know, they were not afraid to put their foot down and say, no, we want to dress this way. Um, They refused to all dress in the same outfits, which was very unusual. At the time you know most pop bands would all be dressed in sort of homogenous versions of the same thing but the Spice Girls said no we want to express our own individual personalities um and you know there's nothing else you can do about it that's what we're going to do you know and they were so outspoken and I think the other thing that really set them apart was that perhaps they weren't the most talented you know what I mean <laughs> they weren't and they would be the what? first talented <laughs> no I mean look I'm a mega fan but I will hold my hands up and say they weren't the greatest singers. They, they weren't the best dancers. They knew that they weren't necessarily a polished outfit, but actually that really worked to their advantage. You know, fans loved that they could look at these women who just had the confidence to get up there and do it anyway. And I think that there's a lot we can learn from that even today. You know, it's okay to be a bit mediocre, but if you're prepared to have a go, that's that's great. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did Posh Spice
1: ever sing? I think I had to watch. I watched like four or five
2: videos before I found one where, oh, oh, there she is. It looks like she has a line. Yeah. So do you know what she did? And in the early days, they were actually really militant about dividing up all of their audio parts equally. And they split all of their earnings five ways. So there was never a lead singer. They were really careful, even though I think, you know, most fans can agree that mel c and mel b had the strongest voices but they always divided everything up five ways um but you know what victoria she was very self-deprecating she knew that she knew where her skills lay (laughs) and 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 was always quite quick to sort of joke at her own expense in interviews you know she has a really great sense of humor so i think that really set them apart as well that, that they knew what they were good for and they knew that um people didn't love them for their voices they loved them for their spirit and everything they represented i think
1: Now, this might be a very personal question, but who was your favorite Spice Girl?
2: 100% Jerry. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. And look, she's not necessarily the one I would want to go to the pub with today. Um, I think over the years, I've changed my opinion. It's now very much Emma or Mel C would be the ones that I'd want to hang out with. Um, But Jerry, back in the day was just phenomenal. She was an absolute force of nature. I'd never seen anything like it because she was so... She was so loud. She was so brazen in interviews. She was never scared to put her opinion across. Um, And I think for a little girl, particularly because I was maybe a little bit loud and a bit bossy and a little bit too much potentially. And I think actually it was quite magical to see somebody doing that, to see a woman doing that and um, not being kind of judged for it or censored. Um, It was really great. So how do you think that they helped
1: shape our generation of women?
2: Well, do you know, it was interesting. So when I started writing my book, um, I was, I'll admit, I was slightly cautious about the whole premise. And I was thinking, is this just something in my own head that I think that the Spice Girls kind of made us the women we are today? And maybe everybody else thinks that's nonsense. But as soon as I started interviewing other women, and I talked to about 70 or 80 different women of of my age, um, and, and some men and, you know, all genders and different age groups. But so many people said that they felt they could draw a direct line from the spice girls to the feminism they practice today and that was so interesting and a lot of it came down to what i was saying about their confidence you know the fact that they were completely unafraid to shout back at interviewers they they would hold forth on things that they really had no right to talk about. So there's one famous interview where they started talking about um, the single European currency. They would talk about politics. They would weigh in on all of these debates that people didn't expect pop stars to have opinions on. Um, And I think that's sort of forgotten today. So a lot of it was about that. And also the message of friendship that, you know, that message of the girl gang of, Boys will come and go, relationships will come and go. But if you have your, your friends around you, you've got your girl gang, then, you know, you're sorted. And that's something I think a lot of us really practice today. I think that's something that has been quite useful, I know, particularly in my own life. Um, and, yeah, something about their vision of femininity as well, the way that you were allowed to be high kicking, wearing, you know, camo pants and these huge shoes and, you know, or you could be wearing a kind of baby pink Girly dress and still be just as loud, just as opinionated. I think that that was really quite a breath of fresh air at the time. It doesn't seem like it now, I know, but back in the 90s, you know, the idea that there were five different ways to be a woman, that was, hey, it was still better than one. <laughs> That's right. I'll take it.
1: <laughs> and I mean, Something you said, I ha- I actually had never thought of it, um, which was the, the idea of, of, of women helping women. I feel like that's almost a new concept where it's like there's space enough, for, you know, for all of
2: us. Um, and that was started back then. Yeah, completely. I think that um, if you look at a lot of their lyrics, something that I found really powerful when I was analyzing all of these Spice Girls lyrics for my book. I mean, I say all of them. There aren't that many. Um, but... <laughs> Something that really comes across in so many of their songs was that often they were singing about friendship. They were singing about personal confidence. They were singing about ambition. A lot of the time, if they were talking about men or about relationships, it was often in this very sort of confident, very antagonistic way. You know, you've got lyrics like, if you really bug me, then I'll say goodbye. It was never about um, capitulating to to men's needs or men's desires and that was actually quite a contrast to a lot of the pop music of the day so if you look at so many other songs you had you know leanne rhymes singing how do i live without you age 15 <laughs> um you know you had britney singing born to make you happy that was pretty standard and actually the spice girls songs all did something very different it was all about confidence it was all about getting what you needed and a lot of it was about female solidarity you know they were never afraid to say it there's one song where the lyrics are, you know, God help the mister who comes between me and my sisters. And that was something they, they really practiced it. They really believed it. So the,
1: the group was actually in the music scene for a very short time, considering, you know, how massively popular they were. What do you attribute um, to their quick departure from the industry? And how was the f- uh, group's fan base impacted by Jerry's Jerry's exit?
2: Wow. I mean, it was devastating at the time. You know, I remember. (laughs) I really felt like the world was falling apart. I couldn't believe it. But I think also it sort of felt logical that they would only burn bright for a short time, you know, because the sheer energy that they put into that career, they achieved more in two years than some bands achieve in 20. You know, they um, recorded two albums and filmed a movie um, won countless awards, toured all over the world in the space of two years. Um, they are actually one of the best-selling bands of all time. You know, I have um, a music journalist I talked to in my book says that if, if the Spice Girls had been a slightly different kind of group, we would have no problem calling them the female Beatles um, in terms of the impact that they had. But of course, because they sung bubblegum pop and because they looked quite cartoonish, uh they they never got the respect they deserve for that um but yeah I think that the fact they broke up so quickly it was obviously devastating to the fans but in a way it means that they they stayed sort of preserved in amber you know we could look back and really remember the good times and and I know they went on and did another album after Jerry left but I think the true fans like myself don't really acknowledge that so much we like to pretend (laughs) that it kind of the curtain fell um in March 1998 when Jerry read out that press statement But I think they were very young as well, you know, and it sounded exhausting, the schedule they were on. So I'm not surprised it didn't last for years and years and years. But in a way, I think it helped retain the magic.
1: (laughs) Do you think that the uh, problems with their management attributed to their downfall?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. So the Spice Girls had a lot of drama with their management even before they released their first single. So the the father-son duo that actually put them together, um, they had them in a house kind of training like a boot camp for a few months and then the Spice Girls decided they actually wanted to flee they kind of didn't want to stay with those managers anymore they did this midnight flit where they all got in Jerry's car they went and stole their master recordings from the studio um drove to Sheffield it was all very dramatic so they they always had a quite tempestuous relationship with their management there'd been lots of ups and downs of course um you know Simon Fuller was the sort of Svengali always credited with creating them, but actually the truth was they auditioned him not the other way around, and they managed themselves for about a year before they before they kind of found fame so I think yeah, definitely there were problems with the approach, I think he was working them very hard. I think that they wanted to make more creative calls and he wasn't letting them um There were lots of arguments, I think about the sort of musical direction, the way they were going to go. But also, I think, you know, women in their early 20s who'd been thrown together into such an intense working relationship, I think anyone would find that difficult. And naturally, they were going to have differences of opinion. They were going to want to go in different directions. But it's interesting, Jerry has since said that she regrets making that call. You know, she really regrets leaving when she did. So I think they potentially could have carried on, you know, managing themselves. They could have found different representation. I don't think that the management was the main driving force behind that breakup. I think it was a lot of things. So
1: is it possible then that, um, that girl, you know, Spice Girl fans outgrew them during this two to four year period, really two two year period?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting premise. I think that, um, I mean, like I say, I was eight years old when Wannabe came out. And I think by the time Jerry left, I was only 10, but potentially I was already moving into a different phase of of my life. And it's true, I think, when you're a group that is aimed quite specifically at a very young demographic, and obviously they have fans of all ages, but they really catered for for that age group. And I think that it's inevitable, you know, your fans will grow up and they'll start wanting different things. And we saw that very much with the third album, um, you know, recorded post-Jerry, where they were trying to really ape the kind of R&B flavour that was in the charts at the time not very successfully I think a lot of people would agree I think you know their real home was that pure pop um and so yeah there's definitely an element to which maybe we did grow up and we didn't need them quite so much anymore um but I think the wonderful thing is that actually new generations of fans are discovering them all the time and when I went to see them live at Wembley last year Um, the audience was absolutely full of, you know, women in their 30s. And then their teenage kids, their young kids, like, you know, six year olds dancing along to them. And I really love that. I think I'm always surprised when I sort of hear younger people who weren't even born at the time still love the Spice Girls, you know, they just have that instant appeal. It's
1: true. Um, So can you help us get to the bottom of what Zig Zig Ah means? (laughs) Since we have you here.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God. I I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could give you the definitive answer. But I also think it's one of those things that we are better off not really knowing. I think it can be whatever you want it to be. Uh, And that was always what they said in interviews as well. They got asked this all the time. And there were various theories. There was something about an old landlord that they had when they were all living together in the early days who used to smoke a cigar on the toilet, I think. And that then the word cigar then got kind of you know evolved into zigger zigar, and then it became a big in joke. But I think the loveliest thing about that word is, don't we all, with our friends, have those jokes that nobody else understands? I think it's just an example of that. I think it's something lost in the mists of time that we shouldn't try too hard to understand, um, and it's just part of the part of the mystery and the magic <laughs> of, of, of the, the whole Spice Girls thing. I think. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, we're going to continue to debate it on our show. Um, We will get to the bottom. (laughs) Um, How about with your uncle? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so at the end of the day, if you had to pick one person or concept, who or what would you blame for the breakup of the Spice Girls?
2: Oh, God, that's such a hard question. It is, it is. Do you know what... I think that, I think she'd be okay with this. I'm going to say Jerry. I'm going to say I blame Jerry. Well, she made that decision and she has owned it since, you know, and I don't blame her. I think that many of us in that position with that pressure on our shoulders and the world watching us every day, we would be tired too. We would want a break. I think a lot of us would probably make the same decision, but she has said that she regrets it. So, yeah, I think let's lay it at Jerry's feet, at her uh, her Union Jack platformed feet,
1: it's sad, but I, I, am I, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a sad one to really wrap your head around. But Hey, it was a magical two years
2: and I'm grateful right. for it. That's fine.
1: <laughs> now I, I know that you also write about fast fashion and I've actually been trying to pin the fashion industry in our alarmist jail. Do you have any ideas for tragedies that, you know, could help
2: us do that? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I yes. mean anything, any any kind of crimes the fashion industry has committed. That I
1: mean any historical tragedies that the fashion industry that you think the fashion industry is really to blame.
2: Seriously, already.
1: I mean, it, it, yes, good. No, it doesn't have to be serious. We've already well, done I mean, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire,
2: oh, and okay. they escaped that one. So, have you done the Rana Plaza factory collapse? No. OK, so this is absolutely the um, this is the the real pivotal turning point, although unfortunately not enough of a turning point yet in history. But in 2013, there was an enormous collapse of a factory in Dhaka in Bangladesh, um, killing. I can't remember the exact figure off the top of my head, I'm afraid, but it was over 1000 people and multiple thousands of garment workers were really badly injured in that um and that was you know one of the biggest catastrophes in the fashion industry to date uh, a lot of labels from fast fashion brands that we we know and love um you know on the british high street and in the us as well were found in the rubble and a lot of those brands said we had no idea that our clothes were being manufactured in that factory um and that really highlights just the um the opacity of garment supply chains which is a lot of the time those brands have no idea where their clothes are being made because orders are outsourced and then outsourced and then outsourced um which means that they they don't have the ability to be able to audit those factories even if they wanted to a lot of the time they have no idea what the garment workers being paid they don't know the conditions that they're working in and that is really the crux of the problem that we have in fashion today so thousands and well millions and millions of garment workers around the world um, largely women aged 18 to 35 are being exploited they're living on absolute poverty wages um and the brands you know can wash their hands of it because they can just say we don't know where our clothes are being made so yeah um that is I would say one of the biggest tragedies in fashion and unfortunately everyone who has bought fast fashion over the past decade has kind of played a hand in that you know
1: oh well we are gonna have to have you back to talk about this one.
2: Oh, happily. So, oh I could thank you for the recommendation <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're welcome Well, thank you so much, Lauren, uh, for helping us get down to the bottom of who's to blame for the breakup of the Spice Girls. Thank you
2: so much. It's been a pleasure.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, hi uh I am trying to think of what you would be like uh uh, producer spice.
3: Yeah, producer, be on the show. Producer sp- I guess I'd be producer spice and then you would be like host spice. <laughs> How boring. I know, these are horrible.
1: <laughs> Not fun at all. Okay, but I, I I'll have let me redo your intro. Uh hi, uh with us today we have producer spice.
3: Hi Rebecca. <laughs> We're the worst Spice Girls (laughs) ever. (laughs) But how about Lauren Spice?
1: I mean, Lauren Bravo, what a great guest. Yeah, so cool.
3: I can't wait to read her book.
1: And I I, I just wish she would have been my friend.
3: I wish we could have gone to a Spice Girls concert back then. I know. I mean, she was so smart. And I I love women talking in like a really respectful way about these, you know, quote unquote, like silly things that girls are into because they really are meaningful and impactful. And that's why I really appreciate with what um, how earnestly she speaks about the Spice Girls.
1: Totally. And you know, something that you brought up during the Taylor Swift Kanye episode, which is that people don't really um, take seriously the uh, little, you know, things that things that are targeted towards like young women or little girls, you know, they don't take it as seriously. And that that really stuck with me. And, and you know, Lauren is just, you know, leading the brigade, Stuff we do (laughs) for little girls is so important. It
3: is. And I, you know, I was so happy that she agreed with our verdict, even though I know none of us felt good about it. I do think I mean, it really was like it, it all falls to Jerry in a way. Yeah,
1: it's so interesting how she had the same reaction to sending Jerry to jail that we did. Um, we didn't want to, she didn't want to, but sometimes, you know, you do things, um, without malice. She, I don't think Jerry meant to break up the spice girls, you know, but you, you know, she, she was responsible.
3: Yeah. And, and I do think that in a way, um, I really do agree with Lauren when she says that the Spice Girls, she said they burned bright for two years. And part of the reason why we have such a perfect memory of them is because in a way because they broke up, they never sort of had that decline that they would have if they stayed together. So she said they were preserved in amber, which I really actually like the visual of that.
1: (laughs) That's true. Like you didn't have it. uh, uh, There are other pop stars who you've grown with. I guess Britney Spears is coming to mind um, where, you know, she had a huge moment and was uh, a big part of our cultural, uh, of our generation culturally. Um, But she's also grown with us. And so we've seen the good and the bad and we've almost seen like too much behind the scenes.
3: Oh, But the Spice Girls... Yeah, they're perfect still. But yeah, with Britney Spears, that is just so... I mean, there's we, we could do a whole episode on that. We should have Jen back. Um, and Jen was on, of course, the Megsit episode. But the, it's just like when you're just a solo performer, you can't break up with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you could, Amanda. <laughs> yeah, I probably could. But just a few more points that I had written down um, from Lauren's interview. Um Let's see. Oh, I loved when she said this. She said that the Spice Girls weren't the most talented. They weren't a polished outfit, but they got up there and they did it anyway because it's okay to be mediocre. And I said, I said to myself, that's what we do at the Alarmist every week. <laughs> that's right. The Spice Girls are my inspiration, <laughs> right? I mean, we're not the most. We don't know the most about the tragedies. We're not that's the best. For sure we're not the funniest, we're not the smartest, but you know what, we're doing the work.
1: Well, you know, we're selling ourselves a little short, but we have, but I think you're right, that, and that has been my motto, kind of like in the entertainment industry, because, you know, as women, you're, you're made to feel like you have to be perfect, in order Mm -hmm. to really deserve what so many other men just like, who aren't perfect get all the time. You know? And I, and that I, I, yes. It's just like do it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just get it out there and 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 hopefully people will see it's worth and if and if they don't then
3: it doesn't matter. You see it's worth. You see its value. Yeah, and it's like you don't have to be the best at something. You just have to like make it you. You know, because then it's going to at least be original. And I think that's what the Spice Girls were. And I really also like how she said that they were individuals and they did have control of their images um, and that they didn't want to wear like the same matching outfits. And I think that's why they were so beloved. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And, and what I think is also cool about that is that they
1: came together, like even though they were different, like there was the sporty one and there was the posh one, like they were all able to be friends. And there's like a, an inclusivity message there um, that is really important, especially like just for children in general, you know, where where you can get a, like, you don't have to just find the, the other people who look exactly like you or think exactly like you. Like there's so much value in different voices and styles.
3: Yeah, totally. And I uh, there was one other thing um, that I just realized when I was you guys were talking and okay, so do you remember how in our conversation with Georgia and Stosh, I said that freshman year of high school, I wore my um, platforms to school? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So now I realized that the Spice Girls broke up in 1998, correct? Uh huh. I did not start high school till the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I knew they broke up. <laughs> It's for the best. (laughs) I don't even think I took that trip to Europe till after they broke up where I bought all this paraphernalia. Like, I think I didn't realize they, I don't think I've, I just don't remember having a moment where I learned they broke up and I was upset about it. I just think I like never knew and thought they just, I, I don't know. But I was like, this isn't adding up this math because I was 10 years old when Wannabe came out. And then I was definitely into the Spice Girls like for the next 4 years. <laughs> you were living in
1: beautiful bliss, like this <laughs> magical la la land where the Spice Girls
3: never broke up. You were so fortunate. I must have been. Wow. If only we had <laughs> never done this episode, I never would have known. But now I, I want to think about like the other people in your high school who looked at
1: you and were like, what is she doing? Should we tell her? Like, <laughs> should we tell her?
3: And they said, just let her be. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, we did. Did you have any other um, notes? Um, let's see. No, I think that was basically everything. Um, I also just love talking to the experts because we get so much great lingo. Like when in the beginning, when Lauren was talking about the girl power movement, how some second wave feminists thought it was reductionist. And she mentioned Clayton's, um, keyword capitalism. She said a lot of people thought that the third wave feminism was kind of capitalist. Right. I mean, it, it's so interesting
1: how the feminist movement has really gone through these different waves. Um, it what what is so cool about it is that it's it feels like a movement, you know. Of course, every single movement goes through so many different waves. It's like uh, like a, a a human being or something. Like yeah, it's it growing is.
3: up. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, like most human beings. Not not me. Wearing my platforms. Yeah, you're you're, still, <laughs> you're still wearing them right now. <laughs> I've, honestly, I, I think they're still at my parents' house. I need to dig those out. If they do still exist, I will start wearing them again. But I guess now we're in the fourth wave of feminism. But I, I suppose you and I came of age during third wave feminism, which makes sense why we like the Spice Girls so much.
1: Yeah. I also liked what she said about the, you know, she really clarified the uh, management um, issues. Yes. She, uh, she made it really clear, like, while they really did um, have a role in overworking them and their exhaustion, they also, it, it, it was, bi- they were bigger than that. And mm-hmm. they, they did take control. So they weren't
3: defined by their managers. So that, that was interesting. Yeah, they built themselves up and they tore themselves down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As, you know, as as it should be. As it should be. Um, So the verdict stands.
1: It stands and the slap stands, I think. You know, they had their moment and they they did. They did uh, uh, good. They did justice in the world. I'm trying to find the right word. They did God's work (laughs) in Mm -hmm. the two year (laughs) period. Um, And and that was that. That was that. So we nailed it. Wow. I feel pretty proud about that. Honestly, I do too. (laughs) So do we have any housekeeping, uh, things for our listeners? I haven't received any, um, any, uh, photos
3: with, uh, tagged, uh, like reviews tagged in photos oh, for yeah, our Yeah, so you're referring giveaway. to we put out a call to our listeners to rate and review the podcast, screenshot it, post to Instagram, and tag us. Um, and that hasn't happened yet, but it's only been a couple of days because we're recording this early. So next yeah. week we're going to announce someone. Um, we're going to pick one of those people who does that, and they're going to get a free Alarmist t-shirt. Or, you know, maybe Any just a, a merch item of their... Uh, choice if they want if they want the touch tool they can have the touch tool <laughs> even though it's early it hasn't even it hasn't come out yet on the merch page it it is on the merch page um so yes it is it's officially been released but yeah so do, so go ahead and do that leave us a five star review and a rating to, uh post it to Instagram and we'll enter you in the the blind drawing to win a piece mm-hmm. of alarmy, alarmist merch And I don't know, Rebecca, have we gotten any new reviews?
1: Um, Let's see. I don't think so. I I don't think
3: so. And that's the issue, Amanda. I mean, well, that is an issue, although it's only been a day. It's only been a day since (laughs) that episode released. So we'll give it time. But just a reminder to to go ahead and do that. I mean, if you're interested in a free T-shirt.
1: Yeah, it really. And if you're interested in helping out our show, because it really does help us. We need to get on those charts. We need to spread the word about the show so we can keep doing episodes. I mean, we have barely scratched the surface with all of the tragedies that need to be covered. I mean, just today we learned about a new fashion tragedy that I'm so excited because if I could get my dear fashion
3: industry, I'll be as happy as Clayton the Clam. (laughs) I'm just, I am worried that once you pin the fashion industry, you're going to want to stop doing the podcast.
1: <laughs> never, never. Because that fashion industry, it gets out of jail. It's very slippery. Mm. It's just like toxic masculinity and capitalism. They're constantly sneaking out. So you got to keep them
3: in and check. I and have, I have a question about fast fashion. Mm. Yes, I know that. Maybe you know this, but I know that fast fashion like Zara, Forever Twenty One, like I don't shop at those places. Um, Is Madewell and J Crew those are also fast fashion? There, they are. I believe so. I believe. Okay, so I shouldn't be shopping there either. I I, we we should
1: have asked her. I think anything that manufacturer, it depends because you can look at their like like Everlane for some, uh, you know, they're they're a big, you know, fashion company, a clothing company, but I think they have like sustainable practices. It depends what their practices are. So, okay. So I
3: need to, I need to do some more research because yes, I'll, I have been looking online, doing a little online shopping. I never buy anything. I just load it into my cart and then I wander off and let it sit there for months. <laughs> That's just kind of my stress relief. Um, but I'm thinking I'm going to pull the trigger on some, I don't know, maybe some new sweatpants. pants. So yeah. We I'll need a jogger. Yeah, but yeah. I think we should put this Bangladesh factory collapse on the, on the docket and we can learn more about fast fashion. Already
1: on the list. I've already done it. It's already there. So, Amazing. Okay, well, I can't wait to talk about it. And let us know about J.Crew and Madewell because I do like those
3: brands. I know. And they have so <laughs> many, you know, it's, it's, if they have so many sales, it's probably fast fashion. Right. <laughs> it's too good to be true
1: yeah too good to be true okay well thank you everyone thanks for tuning into this episode of the aftermath and tune in next week we will be discussing the trail of tears it's gonna be a heavy one